Hi, it's Saturday. It's the Saturday show. And what a show we got for you. We got, we've got, weave. I could just say weave. What a show based on weaving and the loom. Usually I go deep into the vaults to bring you one interview or segment that I aired and then one from the week. I will give you one and a half times, deliver one and a half times on that promise because I'm not going very far back with our interview. But from the week, uh, we should say that sometimes a great song could melt your heart. And sometimes a quick snow can melt away. And on Tuesday, I spieled about the song Winter Wonderland. And what occasioned it was a nor'easter, which was over almost as soon as it began. A lot of snow and then a big melt. I do have to correct my pronunciation of Lucy Dacus, who I pronounced, I think, Dacus. I was contacted by a Lucy Dacus superfan. And even though Lucy Dacus hates Barack Obama and calls him a war criminal, she could shred. I'll give Dacus that. On to the segment from just a few months ago. I interviewed Eric Toller, who is a uh, data researcher and a reporter for the New York Times. He used to be with the Belling Cat. And I hit him pretty hard on the issue of tunnels under Al-Shifa because the New York Times every day on their front page before Israel raided Al-Shifa Hospital did a story about Al-Shifa Hospital being the proof or the test case for is Israel military intelligence legit? Does going into raiding a hospital, trying to release hostages and root out Hamas, does it square with what they actually found? New York Times was, and you'll hear this from the interview, saying every, literally every day for a week, this is going to be it. This is going to be the proof if we could say that Israel was exaggerating claims. And then in the early days when information came out, it became clear to me, to Haaretz, to other people, that there was a very large tunnel under Al-Shifa Hospital that Hamas was using for all its nefarious Hamas means. Toller was, as you'll hear in this interview, he thought that Israel exaggerated its claims, and there was a video put out that didn't quite match the tunnel that they found. But why I'm bringing this interview to you again after conducting it only a few weeks ago is that the New York Times, on the front page, finally addressed what they actually found under Al-Shifa Hospital. And I will quote you some of that. Evidence examined by the New York Times suggests Hamas used the hospital for cover, stored weapons inside it, and maintained a hardened tunnel under the complex that was supplied with water, power, and air conditioning, classified Israeli intelligence documents, which, by the way, were backed up by United States officials, obtained and reviewed by the Times, indicate that the tunnel is at least 700 feet long, twice as long as the military revealed publicly, and that it extends beyond the hospital and likely connects to Hamas's larger underground network. According to classified images revealed, by the Times, Israeli soldiers found underground bunkers, living quarters, and a room that appeared to be wired for computers and communications equipment, along with a part of the tunnel beyond the hospital, chambers that were not visible in videos released by the Israeli military. You know, it goes on and it gives voice to those who criticized Israel and said it doesn't show the full extent of, it doesn't match the full extent of what they had said beforehand, and Israel hasn't proved that it's a command and control center. I think you'll hear in this interview, I take issue with that phrase, what is a command and control center? Some guy was with a laptop and a, a cell phone. There's another part in the Times write-up that I want to quote. Al-Shifa, Israeli officials have argued, is an example of Hamas's willingness to use hospitals as cover and turn civilians into human shields. Uh, I think that Israelis have argued that, and the Times, ha in this very article, demonstrates that to be the case. But critics say 
It's also an example of the toll on civilians when Israeli forces surround and raid hospitals to pursue Hamas fighters or rescue hostages, operations that can cut off doctors from fuel and supplies and residents from urgently needed medical care. Yeah, it's true. I bet you Israel wouldn't even argue with that, that we are making a choice to save hostages instead of cutting off residents from medical care during the time we are trying to save the lives of hospitals while we put on hold saving the lives of those who need medical care. What I think this Times article does, and it'll be interesting to go back and listen to Toller, which we conducted a few months ago, but what I think it does is it correctly presents the moral choice. Because even if there is a long hospital under al-Shifa, it doesn't mean that Israel had to do what it did, which was essentially shut down al-Shifa and make the people who were there suffer in the name of the military goal of rooting out Hamas and the humanitarian goal of rescuing hostages. But that's really all I want from our coverage for the people who are citizens or decision makers to have the best information so they could correctly evaluate the choices. Because when the choice was one of Israel is totally lying about the presence of a hospital versus Israel has bombed a hospital and is going in based on lies, that's not really much of a choice. That's not a moral conundrum. This is more of a moral conundrum, but at least we know the parameters. Now let's listen back to what Eric Toller was saying a few months ago. Eric Toller is a reporter on the visual investigations team at the New York Times. He combines traditional reporting with open source methods. We'll get into that. He used to work for Bellingcat. He scored many scoops. He added significantly to the wealth of human knowledge about Ukraine and Saudi online harassment and the downing of Malaysia Airlines flight MH17. His very first reports for the New York Times, he used such tools as identifying kitchen counters and told the world about Jack Teixeira, the U.S. airman who's been arrested for retaining and transmitting classified documents. Eric, welcome to The Gist. Thanks for having me. The phrase for the community is OSINT, open source intel. Is that how you had to pronounce it? Yeah, OSINT, OSINT, something like that. I don't know if it has a dictionary uh, pronunciation, but yeah, it's basically open source intelligence, open source information. Um, it's basically anything you can find online um, or in the archives, anywhere elsewhere, then kind of um, transparently can I show your work, I guess is the ethos behind it. And where is the place of openness? Is it Reddit? Is it Twitter or what we now call X or is it specific fora for experts like yourself? Yeah, it's kind of all over. So the community around this, so there's kind of a, you know, kind of amateur sleuth kind of do people who do this professionally and also for fun. Um, it's historically been largely on Twitter, um, though people have migrated to discord lately, actually, um, there's a bit of it at Reddit as well too, kind of more specialized stuff, but it used to be kind of very, very heavily monopolized on Twitter, kind of the, the folks who do this, but now it's a little bit more dis um, dispersed out there between discord, Reddit a bit and, and still Twitter. 
How do you guys, uh, you people, the professionals with a track record and really good tools, how do you separate and distinguish yourselves from just an amateur sleuth who thinks they see something in a picture or do you really want to? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's kind of hard to tell where the line ends and where it begins with that because a lot of people who do this professionally got, I mean, like myself, we got started doing it for fun, like as a hobby or as an amateur. And often when you see kind of these like professional reports that are put out, like you, I'm, I work for the Times now, right? And if you go back and look at some of the videos that the Times has put out before I got hired on and you look at the credits on it. So at the end, they have like a very like, they have a hard hitting report on, you know, like a you know, US airstrike in Afghanistan, right? Or like Russian murders in Bucha, Ukraine, you know, these hard hitting, really intense reports. And you look at the credits at the end and they'll just credit some Twitter handles in like the uh, for reporting credits because maybe they originally found something that was from some anonymous random Twitter account, right? Who was the first person to find a particular video, right? Or identify a certain soldier or something. So I think it, it's hard to say like where like the professionalization aspect um, mm -hmm. begins and where like the amateur sleuthing ends. Um, I think kind of the But are there standard... credentials? Is there credentialing? Not really. I mean, let, a lot of this, let yeah, the that's flapping a good of your lips yeah. be the answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's not like a certificate you get to do this, right? Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that a lot of times the difference between the professionalization of it is kind of like the synthesization, synthesizing this information, right? Bringing it together, like taking these data points, bringing them together, aggregating them, and kind of turning it into a larger narrative. So tell me about the role of catching someone in a lie. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of examples of it, right? I mean, kind of the way this manifests itself most often in the open source kind of digital investigative work is kind of um, accountability work, right? So the government says X and Y actually happened, right? Which is kind of the most straightforward way of saying it. So, I mean, when you talked about accountability work, a lot of it is kind of straightforward, right? You know, there's there's a million examples of Russia and Syria and the US and elsewhere. They say we, we bombed something or we didn't bomb something. You go and you look and you see the opposite. And it's pretty easy to do with satellite imagery, um, cross-referencing, um, the videos produced by Russia, Israel, Syria, US, whatever, with the objective data. Um, but other times it's a lot, it's a lot dicier, right? This is something that we're, you know, we run into now with the, you know, Israel and Gaza war and also back with Russia, Ukraine, when someone makes a claim, you can only see how much you can see, right? Like with the, with, in Gaza, you, you're restricted because you can't go to the ground, go on the ground in a lot of these places because they're restricted or they're too dangerous. So we are heavily reliant on what's out there and what's available, but you, you can't see the whole picture, right? You're only seeing what is selectively available to you. So you have to kind of, you have to couch your language and have a lot of caveats with a lot of this. Right. But accountability work, there's a whole category for this mm -hmm. and accountability, if you can demonstrate even in the fog of war or the opacity of a theater like Gaza, if you can document a lack of accountability, mm -hmm. it would go to the credibility of the overall claim. Sure. Yeah. On the uh, question in Gaza of if Al-Shifa Hospital well, had a vast network of tunnels under it and what was it used for, the Times wrote, and this was November 17th, the controlled visit will not settle the question of whether Hamas, the armed Palestinian group that rules Gaza, has been using Al-Shifa Hospital to hide weapon and command centers, as Israel has said, will not settle the question. So what would settle the question? Is it really settleable? Yeah, the Shifa question, I mean, we're still reporting this out and working on it, but it's it's difficult because they've shown one tunnel. Um, that's the visit that the Times reporters had, again, in one of these IDF visits um, on, on the, earlier this month or last month in November. and. It's difficult because they, the IDF was there for a couple of weeks, right? And they found one tunnel. It was fairly lengthy tunnel. I think it was 100, 300, one, two, 300 meters in length um, compared to what they talked about before, which is like this labyrinth 
I think they used the word labyrinth of, you know, vast underground network. And this, you know, this tunnel was there, right? They, they, they found um, two rooms plus two bathrooms down there um, and a tunnel network um, yeah, a dozen or so meters below one of the buildings. But this wasn't, you know, a labyrinth, right? This wasn't a vast network. It was one, one tunnel. But this is going back to kind of the what we know and what we don't know and what we know that we know, and what we know that we don't know and all those known knowns and unknown yeah. knowns and all that. Uh, you know, for all we know, maybe this is it. Or maybe this this is the only tunnel under Shifa, which in that case, the IDF was, um, was over, you know, greatly exaggerating um, before they came in. But maybe this is one of many tunnels. Maybe they just didn't have time to find other tunnels under Shifa. We, we can't say. Um, yet at least. So this is, again, the, the restrictions of what we know and the reporting and also with open source research. And we don't have subterranean sensors that we can deploy to, to Shifa Hospital to know where tunnels are and they aren't. And we can only know, we can only write about and um, do assessments on what's been shown, which is one tunnel, one tunnel um, passageway underneath one of the buildings in Shifa. That degree of humility seems appropriate. You've convinced me. Uh, the New York Times, as you know, for four days had a lead story on the raid on Al-Shifa. And so this idea that was uh, played out, on, not just on the front page above the fold, but in the lead, lead story for four days was, this is going to be a referendum. This is going, we are going to see if Israel was, and the United States, which back, backed up Israel's claim, was accurate or not. And then after more information came to be known, I saw it receding from the pages of the New York Times. And then I saw uh, a 300, those were all thousand word stories. And then you contributed on November 24th to a 377 word story that said, the military has released footage in recent days that it said was evidence of underground tunnels used by Hamas. The videos, however, have not shown conclusive, conclusive evidence of a vast network of tunnels. Haaretz, reported on this and you know they're left left leaning left wing Israel newspaper and their conclusion was there's the headline video show exact path of Hamas tunnels under Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital 160 meters of Hamas tunnels complete with rooms bathrooms kitchenette comms electricity and air conditioning and their uh conclusion paragraph was only after several days of operating the area did the army locate the Hamas tunnels passing through the heart of the compound and invited journalists to see them with their own eyes. This serves as the unequivocal proof that the terror group used the hospital for its military needs. Is that a fair conclusion based on what you've seen? I mean, I can't say. Um, it's I know I've read the report um, and I there's a few other reports from Telegraph and Le Monde that kind of went the other direction of saying this this does show there was a tunnel network probably was by, used by Hamas, which I think is fair. This is probably a Hamas tunnel, but it didn't match the earlier IDF claims of kind of this labyrinth vast network, right? It's, you know, I think the Haaretz piece um, was well done and it showed, you know, it did a good job in, of analyzing the the footage that the IDF put out and that Haaretz also went down. It wasn't just the IDF, Haaretz and some other outlets went down with the tunnel. I think Fox News went down there too. But I mean, it's at this point, it's kind of, it's, it's about the IDF's claims coming in and they're into the weeks and years. I mean, to like this decade basically of talking about the Shifa um, tunnels versus what they found, which is so far one tunnel. But again, I, I stress as much as I can. Um, this is, there could be other tunnels that may, because right now they're gone. The IDF is not at Shifa. They left during the um, ceasefire. They could come back and find, you know, seven, eight giant tunnels, right, that are underneath other buildings. And then turns out everything they said was exactly true and more, right? 
they could come back and not find anything at all. And then this is one tunnel and that's it. It's, it's an incomplete, it's an incomplete situation right now. So, so to you, the 160 meter tunnel that has, as Haretz noted, uh, weapons and bathrooms and air conditioning and so forth, it, you, I, I don't, I want to, uh, describe how you think of that. You think of if that's it, it doesn't qualify as vast, which is how LeMond described it. And so you would disagree with Haaretz saying that this unequivocally proves that Hamas used it for military operations. Well, I think they're different questions, right? Because I mean, Haaretz said that it was used for military operations, which I think there's a good chance it was, right? Um, I don't think that Haaretz really assessed. Again, I think that the question was around what the IDF claimed coming in, if you look at the IDF statements, which was vast underground labyrinth. And they released a video. I'm not sure if you saw this, but they released this like 3D illustration showing like it looked like a James Bond lair. Yeah, of course, that video is not a complete, you know, accurate representation of what they would find, right? They, they, they were pretty clear about this just an illustration, right? But I think it's just contrasting. I, I know it's, it's hard to say about what... Again, because I, I don't want to say that it, that they were completely right or they were completely wrong, because again, it's incomplete. This one tunnel they found with two rooms and two bathrooms, you know, very well may have been used as some kind of command center, right, by by Hamas. We don't know. They didn't find any weapons down there. They found, they claimed they found some weapons in a truck that was near one of the tunnel shafts, but they didn't claim to find any weapons actually in the tunnel itself. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe they were there, maybe they were cleared out, you know, who knows, right? Uh but I, you know, I, I, I'll leave it to, to the listeners to decide if, you know, if um, these two rooms, two bathrooms, and 160 meters or whatever, um, I mean, comprises of a vast labyrinth. So beforehand, I hadn't seen it articulated. All I had seen, and I read every story in the New York Times, that Israel claims that there is there are vast tunnels under the hospital. Hamas used the tunnels. And then Israel claims that they used it as a control center. The United States uh, backed up Israel claims, Mm -hmm. but they sometimes used a different word. And they said a command node. Those two Mm -hmm. phrases have no real definition. Control center, command node, a laptop or a a cell phone could could Mm -hmm. be a command center. But it was clear in your mind that they needed to find multiple crisscrossing networks of tunnels or just, it didn't matter if they found a long tunnel, they needed to find multiple tunnels to back up Israel's claims, or it needed to look like that 3D video that Israel put out with multiple rooms or else Israel was lying. I mean, I don't, I would never expect anything to look exactly like the illustration because, you know, they were clear as an illustration, but I mean, a command and control center or no can look different, right? It could be, you know, 20 guys in one room with a laptop could be a command center, right? It, mm-hmm. not, it, you, you don't expect to see a, you know, James Bond lair with all these like, you know, HD TVs up against the wall. I and, think, and but to interrupt, I think stuff, that, yeah. I think that's what some people were expecting based on c- the emphasis of the phrase command center. I mean, I have talked to military personnel who says mm-hmm. command center is no real definition. And mm-hmm. anyone with a laptop or a cell phone is very much a command center in 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know why they, why the U.S. kind of downgraded their language to the node part. I, I think the reason why is because they've, the IDF has said that the actual, I guess, I don't know, center of Hamas operation is actually down south, I think. So that might be why they've kind of downgraded their language from center to node. Um but yeah, I don't know exactly what would what would. And this is again what one thing that's so difficult about this is we see we see two empty rooms. What does two empty rooms mean, right? I mean, those two empty rooms could have been packed full of fifty people who were, you know, 
commanding you know every single detail of the October seventh attack, or they could have just been unused. Maybe they they were still under construction and not even been used yet. We, we don't know, right? We can only see the um, video that's been put out um, by the IDF of like the you know what it looks like right now. So I mean, yeah, we're still reporting this out, and we're still you know it's it's a lot more unknowns than knowns with a lot of this stuff. Um, and you know, I, I didn't expect to see the the James Bond labyrinth from the IDF illustration necessarily. Um, but you know, I mean, just judge from yourself of what the IDFs, what how they were um, presenting Al Shifa yeah. as kind of the the central command of all of all of Hamas. Like they were, they said that this was the main base of Hamas um, for the entire you know the entire Gaza Strip coming in. Um, and it's tough because this is a lot of this stuff could theoretically be dual use, right? Maybe other you know buildings within Shifa could, as the IDF claims, have been used, like not just tunnels, but you know normal hospital buildings, right? So it's really hard to assess exactly what their the claims just from open source information, just because we can only see what what we see, right? We can't, we're not psychics, we don't have time travel, we can't see how different rooms and tunnels and stuff were being used or not being used. We can only assess what we can see. Yes, but you're I mean clearly you're skeptical of the claims. If you look at your posts, I'm sure well, actually, I don't know, but maybe you've gone back and look at what you were posting at the time. You wrote the IDF just released their first photos, videos from the Shifa hospital after last night's raid. I count 10 guns. The IDF has claimed that the, quote, beating heart of Hamas's operations is beneath Shifa. Presumably, they'll release more photos or videos. Mm -hmm. And then you followed it up with a post saying the second photo has a box of dates that were confiscated which is true. Uh, as I look at that photo, I also see six grenades, a bunch of magazines, a couple Korans, and it looks like handcuffs. So mm -hmm. what was the purpose of the uh, box of dates tweet? Yeah, that was before they found any tunnels. So this is when they first, I think it was the first night they went to the Shifa, right? And they found the um, the guns in the MRI room and the box of dates, which I still don't know why they put a box of dates in there. <laughs> They're like, I don't know big, when they all, they're, you know, like when you have police in the U.S. who have a big drug raid, right, they put out all the stuff they find right on the table. Right. It's kind of like that. Um, yeah, I guess I had no idea why they put a box of dates into that, along with guns and grenades and all that stuff. Um, yeah, but by tweeting, but, yeah. the second photo has a box of dates that were confiscated and not noting, and also a bunch of hand grenades. You, you were mocking the idea that they had a box of dates, right? That a box of well, dates Well, yeah, it was kind of silly. They put a box of dates in there, right? I mean, why they put the box, they're the ones who put the box of dates in there, not me. Yeah, but you're uh, the but one course, who highlighted yeah. that and not his six hand grenades. Well, it was obvious, right? The, the hand grenades were there. You could see them, obvious. The box of dates weren't maybe quite as obvious to see, but the, the guns, I said I counted the guns, right? And the grenades are there. I mean, it's kind of, it's uh -huh. right there. It's obvious. It's not like I like cropped the photo and put only the dates in there. No, I don't think you did. I mean, you're being open source. I would say they, I, I have no idea why they put the box of dates. Maybe if people are living in an underground tunnel, they're going to need food and there were the dates. But Do you think- This was above ground though. This was, this was an MRI room that was in the oh, okay. complex. That's a good point. In your tweets, uh, and you can't control how people respond, but then again, it is open source. So it's uh, unlike, you know, the rock tweeting, you're calling some of these responses and interacting with them. And you do highlight some tweets that where they find evidence in the pictures. Um, how would you describe where the enthusiasm was? I'll just, I won't be, uh, I won't be coy about this. In the beginning days when the IDF was showing its evidence, I read a deluge of coverage mocking what they found. And then 
a week or two afterwards, when more and more evidence began to accumulate, I read the Hot Rats article, I read CNN's coverage, I even read some of the Times coverage, though they haven't gone back, and it seems less mockable. It seems like there was quite a lot to the idea that Hamas was operating under al-Shifa. Did you see that too? Is that how you saw it playing out? Yeah, it swung a little bit. I think it's kind of evening out a little bit mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, for the first- Evening out, like you, out that more first, evidence had a chance to come in and uh, therefore the mockery has subsided. Yeah, I think, people are, I think people are expecting a little bit more by now, but but we'll see. Again, like I said, they pulled out. They pulled out because of the ceasefire, right? So that's another reason why it slowed down. Um, so like when that first video came out of the MRI room with the box of dates, right? A lot of people, um, this is, it wasn't just me who was being, who wasn't impressed by this. I mean, it was kind of universal from the, from the times and elsewhere that this was a little underwhelming because again, the idea of spent 10 years hyping up Shifa as the center of Hamas operations. Right. Mm-hmm. And they especially hyped up in the weeks before they moved in. So they moved in and the first video they put out was this video with, you know, a dozen guns or so. Grenades, as you said, um, handcuffs, a box dates, as, as you um, weren't a fan of me pointing out. And that was it for a few days, right? And it was a little like, oh, this is, hey, that's, and, and their command center thing was a single laptop, right? which is, yeah. you know, okay, like you, can, you can run a command center with a single laptop, I suppose. And then the tunnel came out, um, and I think people were like, oh, well, okay, you know, this is a tunnel. This is, they've been talking about Shifa tunnels forever. Here's a tunnel. You know, this is, this is definitely something like something that's hard and like, you know, you can't fake a tunnel, right? A lot of people were skeptical around, you know, like, well, you can plant the gun theoretically. I don't think they planted guns, but people were like, well, you could theoretically plant a gun. You can't plant a tunnel, right? So it was, it was there. Um, but I think now the, the big question is, well, that a lot of people are still wondering about is, is this the only tunnel? And um, if it is, you know, did Hamas run their entire operations as the idea of claimed out of this relatively small tunnel? Relatively, I say, in the sense of compared to what they were talking about before they, they came mm-hmm. in. It's still, you know, a pretty big tunnel. It's 100, 200 meters, right? Um, but, you know, the way they were presenting in kind of their, their media blitz before, before this, when they put out, you know, their, their videos and their spokesperson was that this would be um, a bit, bit more than we've seen so far. Do you think if the IDF had kept its powder dry and presented all the evidence when they had more evidence, there'd be less dismissiveness in the beginning? I don't know. I mean, they've they've been they've released stuff after they found it. It seems like right when they found the tunnel shaft, they they put it out. Yeah, that's right. There are two ways to go. Either we'll present the evidence that they are, then you open yourself up to you know stories in the Daily Beast like Israel's comically bad disinfo proves they're losing the PR war, and that was a November fifteenth story. And I said, wait two days, guys, and they didn't. There Mm -hmm. was no follow up, but you know, more guns were found, lengthier tunnels were found, more blast doors were found. Um, As I look to the New York Times coverage, like I said, every day, front page story, this sort of a referendum on the war. And since then, I haven't seen any inaccurate coverage, but I've definitely seen a dearth of coverage. Will that change? Um, Coverage on what? Yeah, on on what we know now. Maybe looking at the Haaretz column or the Haaretz large (laughs) article, (laughs) the Le Mans large article, assessing what others have mm-hmm. said and what we know now in an authoritative uh, answer to this four multi-day front page story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still reporting on it. I mean, I was working on it just before we jumped on this call. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. Cause I've been, I've been, you know, enveloped in this stuff for, for weeks now and it's, um, 
not it's not straightforward it's just like oh they're right or oh they're wrong because there's it, it's lots of shades of gray and you're kind of working off of like okay well it depends on things like what you mean by vast right yeah and yeah exactly yeah holding so, it and what were the israeli claims and how well do they hold up to the israeli claims before the war and sorry before the invasion and the american claims before the invasion yeah, exactly. But you, but you know, a journalist's job is to put that all out there as best they can, which is what you're saying you're working on. And and yeah, I mean, this is not just squabbling over the word vast, right? Or the word labyrinth or whatever, right? Because the IDF has consistently presented a case that hos- that hospitals are basically legitimate targets is how they've been trying to do this. Because they put out a press conference on, I think, October 27th. I, I might be getting the date wrong. Where they put out a pretty lengthy press conference saying like this hospital, this hospital, and this bottle, all, you know, there are tunnels under this one. Hamas people are based up in this one. They're shooting at us from this one. Like they're basically saying that you know Hamas uses hospitals and they are therefore legitimate targets, right? Kind of preparing their entry into Shifa and also into Al Radtisi and Al Hamad Hospital and some other ones that they they've they've taken. Um, they're based out of Frontisi. Um, they took control over Hamad quite a while, and of course they're in Shifa now. So it's not just like oh they said vast or they didn't say vast, right? Or oh there's a little tunnel here, or is it a big tunnel, or is it five, five tunnels or ten tunnels or one tunnel, right? It's a larger question around how Israel relates to um, hospitals as legitimate or illegitimate targets for war and for targeting. Um, and this, of course, blends into the Ali Hospital um, everything around that, which was which is it's another two-hour podcast because about the Ali Hospital um, and around how they present their information and, and make their case around these hospitals and when they do or they don't target it, and if it's just or unjust to. Um, to have limited or large strikes and all those all those different um, caveats around that. Yeah, that's the conclusion phase. To before we get to the conclusion phase, we have to have the evidentiary phase. And I have perceived that when early impressions set in and were advanced by not really the New York Times, but a lot of other outlets that have a lot of um, followers and it was mocked as insufficient, those impressions get solidified. And unless there is a major effort to undo those early impressions, and even if there is, it doesn't always work, that's what people believe. Now, I'm not, I don't know what people believe, quote unquote, about this, but I definitely saw, and it's right there on your timeline, a lot of skepticism early on and then much more quiet, and now perhaps uh, we'll be in fact-finding mode in a little while. But by that point, I'm not sure if minds are open to be changed. In your experience, are they? It's hard because it's the evidence now is it's a little bit less. It's hard to say because it's what the stuff that we were talking about earlier with the MRI room was kind of very clear-cut. Right there, there's X number of guns. There's a number of claims, all that. And now we have this tunnel, and it's like, okay, well, there's these rooms. There's these two rooms. Are they what were they used for? Are they empty now. We don't really tell. And of course, the um, they've already cleared it out, and, and now they've moved back out. So it's, I, I think, a lot of it is cascades with the type of evidence that they're presenting as well, too. And you know, we should be skeptical of of all government claims and accountability, right? We shouldn't just say, oh, the IDF said it, so therefore we're, oh, we should just tag along, yeah. right? Um, and obviously, you know, Hamas, their claims aren't, um, they'll have a lot of, um, often around events, they don't have a lot of um, evidence of them as well, too. Um, 
but as part, I mean, with Israel and Gaza more than anything, I mean, people's minds are often made up, right? It's kind of hard to, at least maybe if you're just on Twitter or on Discord too much, it's maybe my mind a little bit warped. But people's minds are often made up with that, and they don't, they don't. It's not very malleable. Um, but that's a whole, that's a whole different question. Yeah, you just do what you can. But the reason I asked you that, and I wouldn't ask most journalists, like, what do you think the public thinks? Your job does interact with that a little more than most journalists, right? You're not a, I just put the facts out and wherever they land, they land. How facts land sometimes gets absorbed into what you're looking at the next time. I mean, you're engaged (laughs) in, you're very much engaged in the idea of misinformation. So the perception of information is in fact part of your job. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, we can only judge what's out there, right? Because I, you know, I'm sitting in Kansas, right? I'm not in Gaza, I'm not collecting information. I'm only collecting what's, what's being put out. Uh, and yeah, I mean, a lot of this is like a Rorschach, Rorschach. I can never say that word. Rorschach. Rorschach. Okay. There you go. Test. In a sense, you see, you see a tunnel, but what do you see? Right. Some people say like, oh, I see a tunnel. Therefore it is, um, the IDF is lying the whole time. And this is a tunnel they secretly built in the eighties, right? Which this is, it's not, this is not one of the tunnels that was built in the eighties. Um, and other people say, say like, okay, this is, this was the Hamas command center and underground base they've been using for, for a decade. Right. And again, like what we're seeing is, you know, it's a tunnel with two empty rooms and two bathrooms. I mean, it's, you can't, you can't make a conclusive case, at least, you know, I, I, I would hold off, at least I would hold off making a conclusive case, but what was and wasn't being used for it. Um, cause again, like maybe the IDF is completely correct in this, these tunnels were used for, you know, massive operations on October 7th and all that, or maybe they were unfinished and unused at all. We, we, we can't say for sure. And so I'm trying to, maybe it's cowardly. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to caveat everything I'm saying, but I do want to just put, but maybe it's, it's good in that sense and that we should know what we know and know what we don't know. Right. And that there's gaps of information we have, um, unless we have, we're mediums and have psychics and see back into the past. So I'll just say this. I'll just put my cards on the table and say, first of all, you've impressed me with, well, your work has always impressed me. Um, and you've impressed me with your answers. I, th- I would like someone engaged in OSINT to have the orientation you do. I wasn't too happy about the dates tweet, but <laughs> this is my cards on the table. I think that what you're saying is absolutely true. And I also think that in light of that, how hard it is and unknowable so much of it is that the Times did a performed a misservice to its readers to raise expectations that answers would come, to raise the stakes about how important the answers would be, and to tell them essentially that if answers aren't forthcoming, then Israel has done something wrong. I don't think it was ever possible, given that Hamas would grab its stuff and run, I don't think it was ever possible to prove to a, to the degree that the Times was stating and implying that proof was needed. I mean, I can't speak for the Times right? <laughs> and, and all the reporting has been done. I mean, I guess I do work for the Times, right? Uh, but but I, would, I, I would just say that in general that the this was hyped heavily by Israel, right? And by the US intelligence community too. So it wasn't just the Times in a vacuum. You know, saying you know, single handedly, like, we are the ones. This is the final countdown. Here we go. Yeah. Right. I, I would point people again to look and review um, what um, the statements were from both the U.S. and and Israeli officials leading into the movement into Shifa. Um, and you know, judge for yourself, right, on what on what the thing. But but I I do think it's fair also that it's hard for 
it's hard to prove a negative is what, as you said earlier, right? I mean, like what would, this is a question that I have heard and I also have been thinking about a lot is what would, you know, what would be the standard of proof um, necessary to prove X or, or disprove mm-hmm. um, what the IDF is saying, right? And this is what I keep saying, like we see a room, but what does that room mean, right? Uh, this Rorschach test, right? Of um, what do you see when you see this tunnel? Do you see uh, an emptied out evacuated Hamas control center? Or do you see a, um, you know, maybe an unused room um, underneath one of the buildings of um, the Shifa complex? So, you know, there's some data points that can lead us one way or another, right? There was apparently a giant cache of weapons found above one of the tunnels, not apparently not in the tunnels, but near the tunnels. Um, clearly there was some Hamas presence, Hamas presence at the Shifa. We don't know exactly how big, but there was some Hamas presence. I don't think you can really dispute that at this point. Um, but what standard of proof do we need to prove to lead up to the, I guess you can say the hype even that, um, Israel had in its, in its, you know, they made this kind of video game, like 3d reconstruction of what they were going to find under Shifa. Right. Again, we I didn't set that expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, the Post, the Times, <laughs> CNN. No, we didn't set those expectations. Right? It was it was Israel who made that three D reconstruction of what they would find under Shifa. Um, and so we would, at least I personally feel like I would not be doing my job if I didn't say like, okay, this is what the IDF said they would find coming in. This is their statements for the last ten years, and this is what we see so far. Yeah. And the last part of this is what we see so far is a little tough to. Um, assess. I guess that's my job to do, but it's a little tough to assess because it's like a, you know, it's em- it's empty rooms in a in a in a hundred and some maybe two hundred and some meter tunnel. It's you know, does this fit the the expectations they set ahead of time? And you know your answer to that. You know we're going to keep reporting this out. and We're going to keep working to try and find something a little more um, definitive than my kind of wishy washy answers on what we see. But um, your you know, your opinion on that is probably going to be predefined to what you think already yes. around the conflict around what you, what you think already around um, the um, evidence that Israel's produced in the past and just your, your stance of the war in general. Yes. And then the question of, and what does that allow for? What leeway does that give the Israel military? That is another question entirely. That is the conclusion to draw from these facts but I want to thank you for helping us nail down what the facts are. Eric Toller is a reporter on the visual investigations team at the New York Times. Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks for having me. And now the weather and the spiel. It's a nor'easter in the nor'east The last few years, we've not had much snow on Lent nor Easter, which is where they get the name. No, it's not. I don't know where they get the name. I don't know why they eschewed the TH in the Nor'easter for the Northeaster. I'm not about to embark on a massive letter-writing campaign. That was the tactic of Mr. Edward Commie of Brunswick, Maine, profiled in The New Yorker in 2005. He mailed postcards to any place he heard using the phrase Nor'easter. Quote, now hear this, the card begins. The use of Nor'easter to describe a Northeast storm is a pretentious and altogether lamentable affectation. The odious, even loathsome practice of landlubbers who would be seen as salty as the sea itself. You will, of course, accept my view 
value in this matter in good part and will never use Nor'easter again, at least in public, and thus oblige. There is no evidence that anyone who received the card ever followed its instructions. But it's too late for all that. It's too late to pull back from the Nor'easter. I believe we have a natural human instinct to eliminate letters and replace them with apostrophes. And this finds itself in the same place as the instinct to be homey, the instinct of aw shucks or just folks. Perhaps it relates to the energy shortages of the 1970s when there were perceived savings in the printing costs of substituting the F in filet of fish or the ER in pep-er-mint as opposed to Lifesaver's preferred pep-o-mint. Saved them millions over the years or at least dozens. Anyway, that's just a theory of mine. I won't begrudge those whose proper names thrust an apostrophe upon us. Lupita Nyong'o, the actress, Aldamato, the former congressman, fine, fine. But then you have Divine Joy Randolph, wonderful in the holdovers, but a bit onerous on the lips. The Lupita Nyong'o thing, if you've never seen her name written out, the apostrophe comes right before the last O in Nyong'o. But in the possessive Nyong'o's, like that's Lupita Nyong'o's prerogative, it creates on the page a word that at the end looks like a bit of a surprised emoji. Go ahead, type it, write it down. You'll see what I mean. The one thing about nor'easters or snow days in general, and the thing that gets me through is the song. No, not Billy Joel. The song Walking in a Winter Wonderland. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Whenever it snows and I look out the window, instead of saying, ah, damn, I hear that song playing, and it's nice that that association comes to mind. Written in 1934, Walking in a Winter Wonderland was penned by Felix Bernard, whose other songs include The Mailman's Got My Letter, I'd Rather Be Me, Cutest Kid in Town, Tom Thumb and Tiny Teens, and $21 a Day Once a Month. These are cheery, upbeat, make-the-best-of-it songs for what could be depressing events. $21 a day once a month describes military conscription, militarism being thrust into perpetuating the idea of empire, and it does so in the cheeriest possible terms. They wake you up at 5 o'clock in the morning. By the way, o'clock, also with an apostrophe. They wake you up at 5 o'clock in the morning for $21 a day once a month. They take you for a hike without any warning for $21 a day once a month. They'll put a pack on your back. It almost weighs a ton. You'll march for miles and miles. And boy, ain't you got fun for seven days a week. They build up your physique for $21 a day once a month. So military conscription, which everyone faced, was met with a cheery disposition and the idea that you're going to get a physique that the ladies will love. I do not think that the sentiment or optimism of walking in a winter wonderland would exist if it were to be written today. I cannot see indie rock supergroup Boy Genius writing happily about just about any weather phenomenon out there, or really happily, period. And by the way, a member of that supergroup, Lucy Dacus, once called the former president of the United States a war criminal on Twitter and was applauded for it. Which president of the United States? Not Trump, not Bush, not the other Bush, Obama. She called Obama a war criminal. I guess that's good for indie rock supergroup cred, but not for making us think a happy thought about a plausibly glum weather development. In general, the climate doomer youth of TikTok, they do not like anything that happens 
that's not room temperature. And they also do not like room temperature if that's achieved via air conditioning. And that's fine, I say. I've seen the IPCC reports. But when any amount of rain or heat or snow or wind get attributed to global warming, which is said to be the phenomenon that we're all convinced is going to kill the entire planet, every time you see a drop of rain or a flake of snow and it convinces you that you're dead, I think jaunty put your cares on hold type melodies will not be the result. Grace guys are going to clear up pure denialism. You are the sunshine of my life, which is leading to crop failure. Look, I'm not saying we have a good environment. I am saying we do not have a good environment for creative expression in the form of pleasant little ditties. And I'm grateful for this particular ditty because outside is actually slushy, wet, probably going to cause a few septuagenarian half a pack a day smokers to keel over this very evening. But since that's the reality, I'm pleased to have the soundtrack of my mind providing a soundtrack of wonderment. Is it a delusion? Is it mm, operant conditioning? Is it a conspiracy? Why, yes, quite explicitly, it is to quote, and later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made walk in in a winter wonderland that claimed a half dozen lives in accidents, heart attacks, and down power lines. They wake you up at five o'clock in the morning for $21 a day once a month. And that's it for today's show. We will be back on Monday with a President's Day special. Corey Warra produces The Gist and Joel Patterson's The Senior Producer. Thanks for listening. Your feet will hurt, your back will ache, and you'll be muscle-bound. But all of this will disappear when payday comes around. For seven days a week, they build up your physique. For $21 a day, once a month.